Cool. We have Ted Maldonado here, our producer, and uh, so he's in training, and uh, he's learning, and uh, it's been really cool, nice that I don't yeah. have to uh, swap between screens yeah. or change the audio and things like that. Right. Um, but I may get up from time to time. We'll see. <laughs> but we're, we're very thankful for Ted being here with us. Uh, the question was, uh, how old were you when you first started driving a vehicle? Uh, were you five years old when your grandfather said, hey, take the truck and pull me yeah. out? I'm stuck yeah. in the mud or something. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. My wife tells a story about how she was, I think, four years old when she, she drove a tractor. Yeah. Pr pretty scary. But uh, we are addicted to uh, safety. Yeah, we are. And so we're going to be talking about uh, – we're going to talk about engaging young people today, yep. and that seems to be an issue. And uh, real quick, yeah, there we go. Uh, we're going to talk about that. The problem we have, it's, it's 2020, we're stuck on safety, and to our de own demise in some ways, mm -hmm. we've allowed kids to grow up much slower, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a little bit of research done behind this. Uh, uh, a professor at NYU, uh, his last name is Diaz, says it's like going into heavy lifting of an adulthood without ex having exercised the necessary muscles. When they go into college or prepared. move on to the job uh, world, and, and all of a sudden they've, they're doing things they've never done and they never prepared for it, whereas years prior uh, there were higher expectations for young people. And that's the, that's the preparing the young people is the parents and the society as a whole, but the parents especially. That's their responsibility. That's their primary responsibility. Right. Not coddling them and protecting them, but preparing them and projecting them. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the thing that matters. Getting them, of course, like you're my son, and I knew, especially when you went in the military, I couldn't be there for you. So I had done all my, all the hard work prior to you leaving the house. At that point, all I was doing was supporting the direction that you were going and hopefully by that point I'd put you in the right direction. Right. And that's when you have to just trust <laughs> your training and yeah. uh, muscle memory yeah. that you built right. into those kids and mm -hmm. the investment that you put into mm -hmm. them. And you just have to say, you know what, I've, I've done everything that I can. And that's one thing I worry about. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old. You're a granddaughter. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm afraid, which I'm thankful I have my mother who's invested so much time on top of what we have given, me and my wife. My, my favorite wife. Yes, <laughs> the only one. <laughs> and so I'm thankful that uh, we have been able to invest so much into her, knowing that the day will come when our hands are no longer on her raising. Right. And so that's something that we're going to talk about tonight. But, the, but we're in a pandemic, so to speak, of a lack of engagement of the next generation. Mm -hmm. And we see that not only in churches, because we're in a church environment so often. This is pastor talk. Yeah. But we also talk about the home or society. Right. And so we're going to talk about that. We want to see you in the comments section. Uh, let us know if you, there's something that, that rings a bell, something that, that, that sparks your interest in this conversation. Go ahead and let us know uh, what you think about that. And so that's where we're at. That's the issue. Uh, I'm going to, there's a quote by David Perel. It was on his blog I read, and it says this, and this is going to kind of set us off. I'm going to let Pastor run with this tonight. We'll see how he does. No, Here we go. <laughs> Yet even though they grow up fast at first, they mature into adulthood slowly. He's talking about these young adults who are, are moving forward. Young people today are often unable to become financially independent or walk the path of meaningful life. As a result, we're left with a culture of childish adults who are allergic to commitment and unable to see the light in adulthood. They grow up fast, and we see this in their exposure to things yeah, online. We, we've given them a lot of freedom and a lot of exposure. Exactly. Yeah. And they grow up fast in that sense, while at the same time growing up very slowly 
in the, the commitment, the responsibility, these things that just take persistence and time. And because we're, we're in an age where everything comes instantly and very fast. Our, we don't have DSL uh, internet anymore. We, we oh, dial no. up. Dial you know? up was and so it, it's changed. And now we're, oh my goodness, my internet's too slow. If I don't have fiber, I'll never make it. Right. 5G <laughs> so, is like the, you know, the cat's meow, whatever. Right. Wait for it. Right. So how do you feel about this, Pastor? Okay. So um, first of all, I'm not one to talk bad about our future generation. Amen. I think... Yes. The reason why I, I say that is because my generation was not perfect, and the generation before mine was not perfect, and we could just go every all the way generation back. looks down on the on the following the following generation. Mm -hmm. That's right, and and if we're not careful and we don't catch ourselves, we can really kind of uh, I, I don't know I don't should have probably put more thought into this, but you can we can become very uh, negative towards the future. And whereas I want to be very positive, so I'm trying my hardest to train young people, of course my children and my grandchildren, but my, my reason is this. This is just kind of a big picture reasoning. We will, we, we will leave a legacy. Yes. We, everybody leaves a legacy, good, bad, or ugly. We're going to leave a legacy. The good thing is we have influence over that legacy. And so while I might look at the next generation and say, oh, that's a flaw, and that's a flaw, and that's a flaw, and we never did that. The thing is, as long as they're within, say, that, you know, 18 to 20 years old, maybe even, maybe, actually, I'm getting older, so it's probably even higher than that, 23, 24 years old, I have influence if I, if I handle it right. Now, I've got influence if I carry around a hammer. But <laughs> I don't want to carry around a hammer. Well, it determines how long you influence as well. Absolutely, because nobody wants to hang out with somebody always beating them. Right. So I want to look at the future and say this is the characteristics, this is the tools that they have, this is the conditions they've been placed in by, by the previous generation. And their value. I want to find all those mm -hmm. things and help them overcome their weaknesses and really bring out their strengths to be better than my generation which of course like I said my generation I went to high school in the 80s I graduated in 86 so if y'all remember like I mean I'm thinking Madonna and Cindy Lauper and ACDC and stuff of that crazy like, hair yeah outlandish yeah totally outside styles. of the yeah so my generation had its issues but like I said I'm not trying to beat down on mine every generation has right I mean I remember of course I don't remember it I wasn't alive but I know that the previous generation before me always came out shaking his hips, and it was like, ah, you know. So every generation is being exposed to more and more because of technology, like you mentioned. We're being, uh, our eyes are being opened to more and more earlier. I mean, there are, we know for a fact that, in fact, um, I wished I'd have put this in my notes. I didn't think about it. Some of this stuff I don't think about until I'm talking. Um, we know that uh, uh, some of the, major issues that we're dealing with as a society arises in 12 and 13 year olds kids little kids someone older younger than that and um you know depending on the the protectiveness of the parents or maybe not just the protectiveness but the but the grooming that the parents put into the children's life i think that we have to be very careful that we can't just condemn the next generation we've got to like again find how they were conditioned, how they was raised, what they're dealing with, the tools that they have in their life. The Internet is a huge and a very positive tool if we tell our children how to use it properly. 
Yes. You know, and, and I'll say this from my own generation, and I'll be quiet. My generation, when we come into the Internet age, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. I think I was about 32 years old, I'm guessing, 33. And it was so novel, and it was so slow, but it was like, it was like a Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. The next generation, I don't want it to. I don't want that to be uh, a box full of evil or a box full of horrible things. I want it to say, okay, how can we uh, put a yoke on this internet? How can we put a yoke on the things and use it for the good mm-hmm. of my family, of the church? That well, you're testing your principles, and that's something Absolutely. that where uh, throughout Scripture we, we see principles that stand out. And those same principles don't necessarily only apply to reality. Mm-hmm. They also apply to virtual reality, and, yeah. and, and which is, is reality in itself. So, yeah. But it's things that so often we want to put a box around and say, well, this principle of lying uh, or telling the truth mm-hmm. has its place when I'm face-to-face, mm-hmm. but I could not say the same thing if I'm uh, on a chat room or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we have to apply principles across the board, yeah. the same morality and things like that. Do not change. Yeah, that that goes back to what I have said um, multiple times in the church, and that is uh, the integrity of the heart. And I'm not sure that that term is the right term, but I've used it so many times it's hard for me to break away from it. But the venue or the avenues or the venues of sin might vary now compared to what they used to be, but it all comes back to integrity of the heart. And where your heart is, uh, where your mind is, that's what you must uh, control. And that's what you must manage and discipline. Of course, there's a spiritual nature. But um, you don't walk, none of us walk around, you know, all the time in the spirit. We have lives to live. We have issues to deal with. We have problems. How do we respond to those problems? You know, and I'm, I'm getting off topic, but the point is, you're right. It comes back to those principles that we have to build our life on to move forward in a sense that we're going to be more productive, better people than our parents. And that's what I want our next generation to be. Right. And, and the topic of engaging the next generation, I, I, obviously, I don't believe this is something that is new. No. I don't think this is something that, oh, this is a, an issue now, a real issue. Prior to this, we've never had the issue before. <laughs> but I think societies in general have an ebb and flow of engagement uh, and many of times it's necessity so you have the great depression where uh people are it was necessity that we all play a role in the family or the household mm-hmm. where you're going to collect the eggs you're going to go hunting you're going to go uh, work the job you're going to wash the dishes and then as we get become blessed over time by the blessings of god Very true. we become lax and we relax some of these expectations yeah and we see that on small scales in just each individual homes as as uh, family earns more money they all of a sudden pay someone to take care of cleaning the home or mow, or mow the grass yeah. or things like that. So we, we reduce, but as yeah. the necessity comes or arises, we all of a sudden have to step up. Yeah. And, and I feel like we're coming to a time in our world where we need young men and young women to step up yeah. and adults all around the board. Well, I think as a pastor, we're at Pastor Talk, as a pastor, I want the next generation engaged in the process for, for multiple reasons. First of all, I want to train them. Yes. I don't want to trust happenstance and circumstance and you know some Joe Blow with their training when I and I'm not trying to be like self-righteous because that's not I'm, I'm a long way from that. I'm a long way from that. But I do believe 
that, you know, the little I do know needs to be passed to the next generation. Because why, why ask them to, you know, quote, unquote, reinvent the wheel? Why ask them? I should, every problem I've gone through shouldn't just be so I can learn. It should be that somebody else can learn It with would be me. selfish of you to hold back what you have learned. Yes. What you've, it's, yes. It's, it, what you've developed or been developed right. through that process. Right. And there's a certain time that you can, you know, we've got uh, down at the end of this building here we're sitting in, there's some, what, seven or eight-year-old kids playing right. and everything and having a great time. There's a time that you keep them ignorant. You don't tell them all that you've gone through, you know, just so you can teach them a lesson. You don't do that to a six-year-old. But there is also a time, and you, this is the thing, just like there's no excuse to not have a Bible and not read your Bible, there's no excuse to be ignorant about your children's developmental abilities and skills and, and needs. There's no reason. There's, the Internet is full of this stuff. And there does come a time when a 13 or 14 or 15-year-old, they're starting to gain their own identity, and they need to realize, you know, I would not do that because when I did that, this is what happened, and it, it, it sets you on a bad path. Of course, you want to do that in wisdom, but at the same time, you definitely, their exposure to my past, my problems, should come for the next generation, but it should be productively and not prematurely and hurting them. You recognize your role as a pastor, yeah. and I think one issue in our generation is many parents don't recognize their role as a parent. <laughs> oh. Well, we, we've allowed yeah. schools School, to parent. We've school, allowed Sunday grandparents to be the pastor. ones that are the only influence in the positive. Uh, so there's, there's these influences yeah. that we, well, my, I brought my kid to church every Sunday. Why didn't they live for God? That's what happens. Because you it only brought them to church. Right. And so we've got to learn and recognize our role mm -hmm. as parents and the responsibility that comes with that role. And just, it's not as glamorous as many people uh, want to make it out to be. Just because you it's have kids doesn't make you a great parent. No. In fact, you're, well, I don't know the terms, but yeah, it's hard work. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, a, you know, in fact, I, we had a baby dedication Sunday, and I forget all the, all the, the three things, but it takes sacrifice, absolute sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It takes faithful sacrifice. So you have got to just, you know, make it up in your mind. This is going to be a, this is a long-term project. An 18 or 20 year old, and then I say 18 year old, my uh, my wife and and many other parents and myself included, you know, just because your child turns 18, they're not off the, you know, I don't have any more influence. If you've been building influence all their life, you keep influence. At that for, point, you've earned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have, can really. force it to a yeah. certain age. Yeah. But at some point, it has to come back mm -hmm. to the earned influence mm -hmm. over time. It's like the, because you don't want to the bank that. that you've built up over time. That's right. You're not losing. It's deposited, and then mm -hmm. eventually you're going to have to withdraw. Yeah. Trust me on this kind of thing. Yeah. Because if all you do is demand obedience, they'll resent your input after 22, 23, 18 years, whatever it is. They eventually just, you know, I'm tired of hearing it, and I'm out of here. But if they see that you truly care for their future and you want to bless their future, um, and, and it's not just about you. Of course, we talked, I said this earlier, I, we all leave a legacy. One of the greatest legacies I will ever leave is not in a building or in a home or a car. The legacies that I leave, the greatest legacies I leave is in my investment in people. And that's through the church and through my children and, and elsewhere. But you can't, it's not about me leaving a legacy. That's not why I'm trying to influence them. I want them to be better than us. I want them to have a greater life. I want them to be. I want them to have a better church. 
that's obviously, I, I want the church to be much greater than it is today. But I can't do that on my own. I have to invest into other people. And that's, if, if I beat, if I demand, and I'm just using this as a pastor, if I demand you do this because I said so, period, mm-hmm. and I don't let a discussion take place, and I don't let questions and answers, and, and I'm not gentle in my answers, they're going to eventually resent everything I stand for and turn their back on it. I believe that. And and I personally see the engagement of a young person or of anyone as progressive moving forward. It it gradually grows or develops in time. I I worry that so many churches put a uh, minimum of engagement. You Mm -hmm. have to be this certain age before you can do anything in the church. Mm -hmm. And and that's scary because we're going to wait until you're out of high school and then you can do anything and all of it's open to you. Before that, you know what, we, we, you're just going to have to go to class. Uh, I see a lot. I'm on some forums, especially uh, when I started getting into video production and mm-hmm. audio and stuff. I'm seeing where people on Sundays will post. Uh, it's almost like competition who can get the youngest person <laughs> running yeah. a camera yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or, or even being a director because some of them are doing that, calling shots, and mm-hmm. they've got 9-year-olds, 10-year-olds that are actively engaged. And, they're, and I love seeing it because these guys will post – I've got a 10-year-old running the camera today, and they're doing great. And, yeah. and, and you have to – you can't help but love that, <laughs> that yeah. comment because yeah. that is seeing people that are engaged. That, that, that You used the word buy-in in the past, yes. and they are buying into the process right. at an early age. Right. You know, and, and I, I think that it's very important that we realize that just because you're using a 10-year-old or 12-year-old, you're not giving them some abnormal authority. They're t- still 10 or 12 years old. What you're doing is preparing them for the time when they do uh, have authority or when they right. do deserve the authority. They do deserve the responsibility. I pulled up a scripture, and it just kind of came to my mind earlier. Uh, it, and it's talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm, I'm not going to stay on it very long, but it talks about a bishop and a deacon. And it says the bishop, you know, all, all these are the qualifiers. But it says this in verse 6, not a novice, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. What, what that? How how does somebody become not a novice? Mm-hmm. By Trials. by practicing and by by doing things that are beyond their ability. But yet, I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to I'm going to guide you. I'm going to I'm going to help you. And so then then in the deacon in First Timothy three again a little bit farther down, it says, um, let me let me see if I can find it real quick. And let these also be first or also first be proved they got to be proven and so i am i'm a i'm a great advocate and I, I didn't write it down i probably could find it if i just take a minute and look for it i'm a great advocate in you watch me work and then you help me but work forever you yeah, know right 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 yes. you watch me work then you help me work then i help you work and then i watch you work that that progressive mm-hmm. and that's what i want to get uh of course I mean, there's going to be a day where I'll have to step off the scene, so to speak. And I don't want to step off too early because I, I don't want to die. I see so many people, they step off the scene, they die a few days later. I don't want to do that. I want to stay engaged. But uh, I think it's imperative that we engage the next generation in that, I would say, four-step process. If well, what is the, the potential if we don't engage? Can we talk about that? If, say, we well, isolate I, them, yeah. prevent them from failing, mm-hmm. prevent them from even doing. Or questioning what we think question what we say right if we, if we what's the end product of that 
Uh, well, I, th I think I think the disengagement and leaving uh, with a sour taste in their mouth, sour taste in their mind, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and of course, we look we're looking at this tonight on the church level, the home level, and then in life in general. And I'm sure there might be another level. You could even do business. You sure. got to have you got to have mentors to help you get started. But and and really, that's we could use that term. But if we don't mentor them up into maturity and in loving the home, life in general, the church, irresponsible, dangerous. They will engage somewhere. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. something that oh, absolutely. whether you too. want to accept it or not, they will yeah. engage with something and someone somewhere. And uh, whether that's good or bad is up to you and, and to what extent you allow them to engage at an earlier age. Yes. Yes, I, I, I believe that. I believe that uh, now, uh, you know, you could do little progressive things. And, and this is, now I'm, I'm talking from a pastor perspective from my, and from these eight-year-olds down the, down the hall. You know, we don't put them in a place where they're always doing something every Sunday. They're, they're children. But periodically we'll, you know, use one to do something down in children's church or whatever. But then as we do, again, a progressive nature if, I don't know if that's the right word we progressively engage them more and more in the process as they go through junior high high school college and in my way of looking at it now pastor young church uh, average age is it's it changes but I'm gonna say it's probably I don't know 30 27 26 probably 26 yeah. probably about 26 um, and so I think anything over 26 um, they need to be engaged that's yes. the average. If they, they need everybody over twenty six needs to be involved, hands on, doing something. I would say over eighteen. So well, yeah, yeah, 16. but I'm just saying that average age and above. It's it's a demand. Uh, obviously, you have new people and, and fresh people. And age. And I, I, I know Daniel Lawrence put in there. Age is not always the, the no, best uh, no. way to tell if someone. No, it's ready not not a novice. Is not. It doesn't say not eighteen years old. It says not a novice. And that's why at our church we have a connect where. People yeah. can engage in the church at a, at a low level early on. Mm -hmm. Instantly, they go through the Connect class where we, they learn about victory, they learn about scripture, they learn about basic principles of the Word of God that we agree on, that this is true doctrine. And they go through that, and it's, it's a couple of weeks long. And after that, they're able to engage at a, at a low level, right. whether that be a greeter or something like that, to, to, to welcome people in the church. I think everyone should be able to do something. Yeah. Let me, let me I, I just come... Where's the next pastors coming from? Where's the next musicians coming from? Where's the next Sunday school teachers coming from? Where's the next evangelist, missionaries? On and on and on. They're coming from our children. Now, if we don't allow them to engage in the process of, of and, and of course, church development, church growth, all that kind of stuff. You can't just say, but it's more than that. In other words, I've got to see with spiritual eyes and recognize the future of the church is in that six-year-old or that 10-year-old. How am I investing into that child or 17-year-old or 14-year-old, whatever it is? How am I investing in that child? And if will they ever be, this is one of the things that bothers me about the missionary schedule right now. We're not getting a lot of missionaries. They don't see the missionaries. Yeah, I want them to see those missionaries. I want, in fact, they used to be heroes. Yeah, they come in, share their journey, and where yes. they've traveled across the world. And I, all they, of a sudden, they need to see our missionaries, our our yes. evangelists as heroes. Uh, one of the things that I did a 
three or four years ago, I can't remember, is I just kind of made it a policy. Every year, I'm going to encourage high school graduates. Come January, I'll remind them, you need to set up a missions trip for this coming summer. You need to raise money and go on a missions trip. One week, two weeks, overseas, not Hawaii, (laughs) but some third world country. Because I want that exposure. How do you know? I mean, I know that exposure inspires it engages that exposure to, you know, again, I'm going to go back to third world country. That third world country, it opens your eyes to the real world. I mean, America is an exceptionally blessed place. you got to go outside of America to see some of these things. But I want, that's something that I and want to And it breeds a selflessness. Yes. A selfless service to where I'm going to go work with a missionary overseas mm-hmm. somewhere. And it's going to cost something. me to do it. It's, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had to, to right. buy into the process, right. understanding that this isn't necessarily all about me. It's about the souls I'm working for mm-hmm. over there. And I see on a smaller scale that same uh, method being used in our Sunday school departments and teachers. Because we could teach our students Bible stories all day long. And, and if they know – some some Sunday school teachers think if I teach them Bible stories – then I've done my job. I, I think that's partially true. You're missing yeah, a big segment. About of, an eighth. <laughs> exactly. There's so much more to it. And, and teaching them selfless service, mm-hmm. just as we talked about going on a mission trip, but this has to start at a young age of developing them in some way, whether, whether that be cleaning the room. When you're all done playing toys as a three-year-old, you're going to work for the next group that comes in. You're all going to do this together. There's certain things that can be done to recognize I'm going to do it for someone else. And, and, and those stories can be implemented and a lot of other things and principles, biblical principles can be brought in and applied in the Sunday school environment, even brought home with them. Yeah. And those things can progress, grow yeah. incrementally as they age. Right. I think, um, you know, we use the term and I've, I've used the term and I, I know everybody else has servant leader, servant leadership, servant leaders. Um, I think, there was a generation, and I'm about to be part of it, that was just leaders, and they really didn't get to serve area very that's well. My role. Yeah, that's my that's, that's my, my calling. Yeah, yeah. And you have, yeah, you have to have a calling to do anything. Yeah. If you're really over spiritualized it to the point where yeah, it's the only thing I can do. But if we but if we look at that in the home environment or in life environment, work environment, I'm telling you, the servant leader, the one that says that's been again, you go back to training. The one that's been trained, hey, there's a piece of trash on the floor. Pick it up. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. That person, when they as they grow, they go into they go into the work. Uh, uh, what is it? Workspace, whatever. Sure. <laughs> they go into the employment area. Man, they are the ones that people are like, oh, let's keep him around because mm-hmm. he's he'll find something to do or she'll find something to do. She, they're they're servant leaders. That doesn't just apply at the church, but it applies in work and home. Um, I want my family. To know that I'm there to serve them, and as such, they allow me to lead them. Yes, in the same way it is in the church. And you've earned it. I try. You, that's the goal, at least. Yeah, that's not. It's, well, you say it's my goal. It's not really my goal. I will. I want to earn their respect or whatever. It's that's just a byproduct of serving the bigger cause. Yes, if that makes sense. I think it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's, no. I, I think that in, we're going to leave a legacy, period. Mm-hmm. What legacy we leave is up to us. How much are we willing to invest in the next generation? 
Well, and we've talked about these things as theoretical in some ways of we need to do it, we need to do it. We've probably encouraged people to get their children or, or those that they're close to engaged. What are some practical ways that we can engage? And let's talk on those three topics. Let's say the church, let's say the home, and society. So let's maybe just start with we, we've talked a little more on the church already, but let's yeah, go ahead and define that, and then we'll move on to the home. Okay. Um, I think I think recognizing that one of the issues that we talked about at the very beginning of this, we've given them more freedom earlier than any generation before. I mean, they've got the internet, they've got all this stuff going on, and we're like, hey, let this be your babysitter. Okay, recognizing that they need to match that freedom with responsibility, and that means at an earlier age than you would think, getting them, I'm talking about a church perspective, getting them involved in the process of the church. But it applies to the house. And there's risks in that. And yeah, they're not going to do as good of a job. And as we you. have to accept right. the risk. Right. We can't say, well, we want perfection 100% of the time no. on all aspects of the church. Yeah. Or, some, or submission. Well, so many people use the, well, God needs excellence. Therefore, we only use excellent people for everything. And if you fail, then you're out. And so we have to understand that God wants perfection. And that's perfecting. He uses the word in Scripture. Maturing. That maturity that's that right. over time. Right. And so it, it, a baby that's mature, we can expect that. Compared to a, an adult that's immature that acts like a baby, that's an issue. And so I think us recognizing our own weaknesses is important, and I'm going to throw this in there. In other words, if I'm a control person, control freak is what I say. I'm not sure if that's really a good word to say over the, the world wide web. But Maybe if, I'm, if I'm a control person, um, then I will have that attitude. Well, if I want it done, I might as well. If I want it done right, I might as well do it myself. Yes. Oh my word! You're shooting. First of all, you're doing yourself damage, Your but you're doing exactly, bleak. exactly. You are destroying the future. Well, if I want it done right, I'll do it myself. Or another one is control in the sense that um, I know best, so just submit. You know, it's like it's like authoritative. Exactly. Right. So demanding, so authoritative that there's no discussion and there's no discerning and no wisdom gained, there's no discussion about it. So going back to what you asked the church, get them engaged a little earlier. I mean, earlier than you think. We, of course, we're not perfect. My word, we got a long way to go to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But my point is, we're trying to get young people engaged. I mean, we've got, how, how old are some of them, them guys and those late young girls up there on the cameras, 12? 14. Right. Yes, we've had 11-year-olds yeah. before they were even in, in youth in so youth. far. Mm -hmm. And then we're doing that in the main service. And then prior to that, we've got young people that our Sunday school department is using 10-year-olds to lead 4-year-olds. And But it, it's, it's a continual development of that and through that, they recognize their role as an influencer. Right. That word is kind of a new word over the right. since social media. But they, we have influencers in our church that influence those who are looking to them. And so it encourages them, and it also holds them accountable, knowing, hey, I'm, I'm an influencer. Maybe we may not use that word a lot, but we right. have people with influence yeah. that, that holds them, you know what, I'm going to do what's best right now in this moment because I know people are watching me, and they're going to do what I do. Yeah. You know, it reminds me, I went to a school. I had 11 kids in my senior class. Well, yeah, senior class. I got in trouble before I graduated. But anyway, the point is, I had 11 kids in my class. The whole school was like 285 kids, kindergarten through 12th grade. Kindergarten through 12th grade. 
we all rode the, bu- rode the buses together. We, was, we were intermingled all the time. And that was something that was just, it was a second nature, if you will. Everybody knew that the little kids were watching you. And it you walked really, in the same halls. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so now, of course, we don't have that. It's not, that's not normal. That was like utopia back when I was a kid. But, but um, we do need to recognize that that value of slow development, uh, of, of, you know, like you said, uh, influence and then, and then skills, talents. I mean, you, we've got young, young people right now that are learning how to operate a, a camera and how to turn it and how to, how to listen and operate at the same time. Um, you know, it, it doesn't take the place of every sport, of course, but it, it's, it helps them to engage as a team. There's other things. So, so that's in the church. Uh, of course, my personal perspective is, and there's, there's an 80 80-20 rule that 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. That's what it was. Uh, I think our church is nowhere near that. I think ours is like uh, 180. <laughs> 100% of the work gets done by 80% of the people. Uh, so, so when I ask if if I was to do a survey, hey, how many of here is not engaged in any part of the church work? Really, it would probably be less than twenty percent, because it's just something that we've really pushed people. Well, that's to get a culture that we've built over yes. time. Yes. And, and and as I said earlier, I think that societies, as they're less challenged and they're blessed, they mm-hmm. feel like they don't need to all be active, mm-hmm. and when we can let people just relax a little bit on certain issues yeah but as we realize hey we're going to work together i remember uh growing the church and we'll probably talk about this for past uh pastor talk this Mm -hmm. coming month as y'all do the history Mm -hmm. of victory but i know early on when we were working fireworks i was a a young kid selling fireworks and that was how we paid our our note for the church stuff yeah things like that and and we had the the myers family and people like that that we were all young that was our 10, 11, 12-year-olds, we worked hard because we knew we were putting mm-hmm. into the church. Right. And we want to. We, we need to see that. Yeah. Even even if we are blessed, we need to manufacture yeah. a way for people to buy in yeah. to the church. I feel sorry for some of the youth groups, some of the children, if you will, that the church just says, hey, y'all are going to go to NAYC. You don't have to work for it. We'll just pay $40,000. We'll just pay yeah, it. Yeah, we'll just pay it. I'm, I feel sorry for them because they miss – the blessing and opportunity of work, working together, engaging in the process. So I've got so many things on my mind right now. But, yeah, that's uh, I, th- I think that um, we, we've got to reevaluate as a pastor or as pastors, if anybody, other pastors are looking, we've got to reevaluate the future of the church. Now, I will throw this out there because it come to my mind, and I don't know why, but maybe I'll talk to somebody with this. Sometimes... The elders feel devalued because we put more value on the youth. I think that is a mistake. I think the elders should be cheering on the investment into the youth. They've had, and I'm not being disrespectful, but the elders have had their opportunities and had their day in the sun on and on and on. And now they're, they're okay, fading into the twilight is that the right word, twilight, sunset, whatever sunset. it is, fading into the sunset? I, I don't want them to fade out. I want them to be just as engaged Your as anybody. Their influence should be just as strong. Oh, my Their word. voice should be louder than any others. Absolutely. 
in a and, positive way. And course. what's funny, <laughs> of course, I, I'm going to tell this story here because it's funny. The other day I was walking in the church, and it was after church, and my granddaughter, who is three and a half years old, she come walking by, and she she did it on purpose. You could tell she wanted my attention. Crying and crying, lots of tears and red face. And I said, what happened? And she said, they told me not to run. And I said, who told you? And she pointed, and I, I don't remember who it was, but it was not like an old person. It was like a middle-aged person. But I just think that, and, and that's fine, of course. It's totally fine. I just think that the elders have such a heritage to tell, a story to tell, mistakes to tell about, mistakes to tell about. It would save us so many problems. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they need, you know, and, and actually this just come to mind too. In, um, I think it's Deuteronomy. Uh, I think it's Deuteronomy or, or Leviticus probably because the priesthood talks about how you're to work in the, in the tabernacle or the temple basically from 20 to 50. And I've just round-numbered that because it depends on the job. But 20-year-old to 50-year-olds, you're to work in the temple. But after 50, you're not supposed to get on ladders and climb and put up curtains and all that kind of stuff. That's for the younger people. And I know it. obviously you don't want to fall and break a hip. But they didn't just, like, leave the temple and not do anything. They were still very engaged. By stepping back created a role for someone for else somebody to step else. into. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think another aspect of engagement is recognizing the past. The, those new... Uh, young people right. or people that are just stepping into the church need to recognize the church, where it's at presently, but also where it came from. This was something that when I was a youth pastor, I took the, the young boys who they would act silly all the time. They would get yeah. in trouble all the yeah. time because, you know, they've got that energy and oh yeah, Love and it. all those issues. So <laughs> issues, <laughs> challenges, we'll yeah. say that. But they have these challenges that we had to work around, and one thing – was to give them perspective, yeah. and that was something that helped them mature. Was I uh, was researching the history of that church and come to find out the old church, the building of the church that was it was maybe the it starting it started in the living room. Well, it, they went and bought or built the church, mm-hmm. a wooden frame church, a pure and beam, and I found that church, yeah. and I took them on a ride and said, "Hey guys, let's go. We're going to go over here." So we, I pick them all up. We go on a ride to that church because all they have known was a very blessed church, a church that was mm-hmm. built over generations and everything was paid for yeah. and taken care of, and they, they didn't have to do any of them themselves. They didn't see the sacrifice. And so by taking them there and, and showing them the story of that church and the sacrifices that were made <coughs> and, and, and relaying the message that was told to me by the elders of that church, oh, I remember when this, yeah. this, and that, and, and showing them that gave them perspective. So next time they were acting crazy or they were reluctant to act as crazy and tear up the present mm-hmm. church because they knew that there were elders who were children, their, their same that. age, that painted the walls at that other church at one point or, or, or worked in some way <laughs> and sacrificed. And it holds them to a higher yeah. expectation yeah. of saying, oh, sister so-and-so, that elder over there, when she was your age – she did a lot of great yeah, things. Yeah. And, and you don't just see them, oh, well, they, those elders, they don't do anything. Right. Well, you didn't see them 30, 40, 50 yeah, years ago yeah. in all the sacrifice. One took. of the things that we've done over the years, and it's kind of funny, it's comical, uh, but I'll probably get in trouble a little bit. But I know multiple times we've given children paintbrushes. And it's <laughs> they're fun. like, don't do it. Get but creative. I'm like, no, we've got to have them <laughs> engaged. We've got to let them. And, and, you know, a mop, it doesn't hurt a kid's hands to get a mop out and 
clean up. And then if you get them engaged in mopping and cleaning up or whatever, they're a whole lot less likely to throw trash down or walk in. Run on through with dirty shoes. Dirty shoes, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just think that, uh, you know, of course we're talking about this engaging the next generation. And the, it, it, the examples we're using is, of course, all almost all entirely church stuff. But the same thing needs to be in our homes, cleaning their rooms. You know, one of the things that discipline, the, the, well, let me go back. A disciple, the root word of disciple is discipline. Well, where do you start learning discipline? You're not going to become a disciple until you learn discipline. And discipline is learned in the home. I believe that. Making up your bed, cleaning your room, not throwing everything under the bed. I did that. So, uh, you know, mowing the yard, pay, t- taking care of things for for your siblings. And I know that nobody wants to hear that. You didn't hear it, like it. I didn't like it. You know, oh, go take care of this for your mother. Well, they can do it themselves. That's part of that, that training that we need to teach. I remember, uh, well, I won't tell the whole story, but I remember you had to, what was you, you shared a bedroom with your youngest sister. Because I was in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Because I came home after working all night. I don't night. think this has anything to do with what we're talking about today. <laughs> he just likes to tell a story of me getting in trouble, apparently. I like that. <laughs> no, but I, I did have to learn uh, just to suck it up and do what to my deal parents with told them. me. Yeah, yeah. And deal with a, a sister a f- who was six year years old, younger. Six year old, yeah. And uh, I, well, I was 15 years old. She was like She 10. was 10. Yeah. And so. Uh, I messed up and was rude to my older sister and got in trouble and had to spend six months in solitary confinement with a yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but with a, with a younger sister yeah that was and twin beds in the same room and it's just embarrassing for an older boy <laughs> yeah my my um my steps and I did not get this off the internet I just wrote it down my steps is we must first engage them in the processes and all the things we've got it we've got going on they must see what we're doing and be involved in that then we must have conversations with them one of the reasons why i mean we just had it about 30 minutes ago all these kids come running in here and all hug me and everything i want them to know that they can come talk as they tripped over the cords yeah (laughs) knock stuff over just exactly but but that doesn't mean you exclude them no you you allow them to come into you and and then I see you as a pastor who's mm-hmm. pastored for almost 20 years now. Yeah, it's kind And of this weird. has been something very consistent with you mm-hmm. that you had been willing to step down on their level mm-hmm. and, and speak to them. Yeah. Take so the having that conversation. And the reason why that conversation is important is we, we've got to recognize this. You know, at 10 years old, it might be something silly, just a conversation. At 15 years old, it might be uh, a girlfriend. At 20-year-old, it might be marriage. At 25 years old, if you've kept that conversation going, it might be a call of God on their lives. Mm-hmm. But you've got to have that avenue because if you don't, and I'm not perfect at it. I wished I, I wished I was better at it. But if you have not kept that conversation going in their life and held that freedom of speech, so to speak, they're going to look for answers in other areas, answers from other people. They can do a Google search so fast. Yes, exactly. Third thing, you've got to live the example. Mm -hmm. You can't talk about being a servant leadership without being a servant leader. That's correct. You can't talk about being engaging of the next generation without actually getting out engaging with them. Um, You've got to have an example. You've got to be an example. Uh, you, and, and this is something, and you know, I haven't, have we got any questions or answers? Or anything We've like had that? a lot of comments. It's been great. Let, let me throw this on there. Let me throw this out there. Uh, being the example, 
I think especially the next generation, especially the next generation, and that's really your generation, but the next one after that, they want authentic. They want to be engaged in something bigger than them. They want authentic. Well, they've seen frauds. Exactly. Sadly, that they've seen that a, a lot. lot. Well, they've been raised ones. with the internet, yeah. where everyone is putting a persona, putting a facade in front of them. Yeah. And then the news shows CBK. years later that they were faking it the whole time. Right. And right. and the divorce rates, and they see all these things that were frauds, and mm-hmm. so they have a skepticism that that is in them. Right. And they get get it honest, and so we have to basically put that to rest by being true and honest. Transparent. Transparent. Really, literally, and we say authentic, but it really means transparency and not giving them, say, and this goes to parenting, especially parenting, not giving them three faces of our character. Oh, I got the work character. I got the home character. Oh, and now I got the church character. When I'm around my kids, I can speak a certain way. But when I'm at work, who cares? Or when I'm at church, all of a sudden I become the the priest Um, of the home. And I, I don't want to throw this out there too much because it's it's it, but cyclical. Um, if we're not careful, we will go through cycles that or recycles, if you will, cycles that recycle in our lives. Somebody has got to be the adult enough to break those cycles and to be authentic in every way, shape, and form. And now, what that means sometimes it means they see you make a mistake, they see you fall. But you—that's where that that failure is also an opportunity. Express humility. Yeah, to come back up and say, you know what, I was wrong. I'm sorry. They need, as children, as young people, they need to hear that from the pastor, from the parents, from the teachers, from everybody. I'm, I made a mistake, and because if you don't, they're gonna they're gonna have this perception that, you know, I can. And then I'm using a pastor role again. I could never be in ministry because it demands perfection. It, it, that's not what, in fact, he, Hebrews, and I don't have it right, but Hebrews 5 or 6, one of those chapters, talks about God chooses the priesthood because of their imperfections so that they can have mercy on the people they lead. So you can't just expect, you can't expect for me to be perfect, but when I am imperfect, I need to be willing to say I messed up. I right. failed. It's tempting as a leader to allow people to think you're perfect because it feels good. Yeah, it does feel good. It feels great. <laughs> oh, wow, he's an amazing person. He's done this or that. Yeah, that's what Ted thinks I am. Ted thinks I'm And, well, if no one saw it happen, I guess it didn't happen, you know? It didn't happen. And so you have to, have to be careful not to fall in the trap of yeah. uh, expecting complete yeah. perfection. Yeah. Uh, fourth thing, and I'll let you have the rest of this stuff. Uh, my fourth thing is being available. Yes. Now, I realize I said engage, converse, and be an example. But um, I think it's vital that um, if we're not careful, we can be so rigid with our schedule and what's important to me that, uh, and this is kind of what goes into psychology a little bit, uh, ministry is presence. Ministry is presence or your presence is ministry. ministry. Real ministry is being there. And sometimes it just means you're going to have to break some prior plans or break some prior ideas or just say, you know what, yeah, come on, let's talk. Just being available. And as, as they develop, as people develop, as children develop, uh, they need to know not only can I have a heart-to-heart with him, but I can have it right now or, you know, reasonably, something like that. Sure. Um, 
we've, we've got to show them the way to succeed. So, anyway, go ahead. I agree. Uh, I saw something commented here. Debbie Womack, Womack said, kids are smart. Yes, uh, start are. them early. Challenge them and let them challenge themselves. Letting them challenge themselves was something that I've recognized lately with my daughter, Bible where she it. challenges herself, and and you could tell that she wants that challenge, that stretching, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, uncomfortable mm -hmm. pushing past the boundaries kind of thing, and that's been exciting to watch. Um, it's it's just neat to be able to facilitate that. We've made her a little her bit proud that. of that. Yes. We've, we've kind of like, oh, that's hard. Well, it's everyone's good. a cheerleader yeah. for her, and yeah. I think that's encouraged her. Yeah. Uh, and we don't complain around her. That's one thing that we don't uh, – you know, some people complain about schoolwork. Oh, we have to do our schoolwork. You, you need to go do They're your schoolwork. They're going to become what you what – you But if you celebrate schoolwork, yeah. she celebrates doing her school. Yeah. She wants to do her school. She asks for her schoolwork, does everything on her own yeah. because she loves it. And it's something that in our family we have attempted – to make that a positive thing in her life. Mm -hmm. And so th I think that's a neat thing. And uh, what Debbie said about letting them challenge themselves, I'm, I'm seeing that now as a parent. Yeah, like little sponges. Man, they can yes. soak it in, but they're, they're, they're eventually they become more of a, less of a sponge and more of a tool if you, if you lead that right. They, become, they learn how to use it, and then they learn start putting up, applying it. Right. And uh, we've got some young ladies in the church, and I'm not going to make, make their – say their names because I don't want to embarrass them, but we've got some young ladies in the church that are Bible quizzers that uh, one of them has been a Bible quizzer for like <laughs> her whole life. <laughs> and it's crazy how she's been so involved and so engaged in that. Now she is like a hero to a lot of our younger Bible quizzers and stuff. And it's just it's beautiful to see that develop. Yes. It really is. So it's been neat. This has been a good discussion, talking yeah. about engaging the next generation because it is a challenge. Yeah. This is something that I think all churches, all parents, all uh, leaders in every way must address. How are they going to engage the next generation? Here's one. Turn this thing to the left about a, a long way. What about politics? Hmm. Engaging our children in politics. Man, right now we've got election one week from tonight. You know, uh, if we keep them ignorant of what we believe and how, why we believe what, what we believe, uh, they will, I mean, I mean, social media is as strong as the household in many situations. You use the word politics, and some people hear that and think that in a very negative way. Oh, no, I don't mean it like that. Right. You, you're speaking of politics and a governance, their yeah. activity as a part of a community, mm -hmm. whether small or large. Mm -hmm. You have a role to play. Mm -hmm. And for us, that's voting on what we believe. Mm -hmm. And if we don't uh, vote and, and voice our opinion on certain issues, mm -hmm. then do we really even care about it? It, it shows that, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I have, a, I have a voice. I have an opportunity. And that's a responsibility. Yes. Teaching them that responsibility. I, uh, we, um, this year, let me think, my wife and I developed, voted by ourselves. But we were actually looking forward to, because we had some scheduling changes, we were actually kind of looking forward to taking Laney and Ayla with us to the voting booth. Because I, I wanted her. to show them. You took her. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes, That's my good. wife and I both took her. Yeah. And uh, she enjoyed it. And we did it on Sunday. So oh, after really? Church, That's cool. Yeah. And uh, everyone there was looking at her because she was just singing and smelling the roses and, yeah. you know, just being herself. Yeah. And so, But civic responsibility is another part of that, that training. We've got to show them that uh, you can't be afraid of people that don't believe like you. 
but you've got to be willing to engage with them. You've got to be willing to talk to them without getting all emotional and radical and crazy and losing your mind. You know what I'm saying? Sure. You've got to be willing to talk to people. So I think that's just another area that we can work. I mean, all of us as adults, and I'm assuming we're all adults listening to this podcast or blog, whatever it is, I'm assuming that we're all adults, and I'm assuming that we all have influence in the next generation in some way, shape, or form, whether it be a a child, a neighbor, a grandkid, whatever. Um, You know, it it reminds me of a story I I actually read about. It was a true story. There was, and it was like a, um, man, it was Dr. wasn't Dr. Carson. I forgot who it was. You know, the the, uh, Ben Carson. Yeah, Ben Carson, the HUD director. Uh Uh, It might have been him, but I don't think it was his. He grew up in, and and might have been him, I don't remember. They grew up in a public housing complex, and there was an older lady that always had her house open for kids in the neighborhood, and she just she just engaged them in conversation. And they grew up with this conversation and her talking, her influence, and they grew into respecting that. And later, and I, I wished I could remember who it was. I don't think it was Ben Carson, but it might have been. But um, they ended up years later recognizing her her value in their life after they're in like leadership and upper management it was and it she wasn't she wasn't some great you know high authority she was just an old woman that took time to help them understand the way the world works and we need those yeah we need them we need them so bad yeah and engaging that that's something that it's everyone's role mm-hmm. everyone ha- you're a leader in some way whether that be in your family mm-hmm. yes, or you maybe are. just in your neighborhood you've got someone watching and you and if you're not you can be. Yes. All you've got to do is get involved in the church. Mm-hmm. All you've got to do is get involved in your grandkids. All you've got to do is say, you know what, I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines. I want to have an influence. Right. Because you will leave a legacy. It's up to you what kind of legacy you leave. Yes. If you're sour, you know what, I'll ref- if you're sour, disrespectful, and angry all the time, you stay at home. <laughs> influence someone else. Yeah. Don't influence your cat, not well, us. Well, and, and influence is multifaceted to the point we, we talked about, I can't remember how long ago, but we talked about a story of, of our church going to a Sunday school oh, seminar. Oh, yeah, that was funny. And we went to the or, or conference, yeah. and we've been to many conferences, and we try to invest into the Sunday school teachers. We still are. We, oh, can. we need to talk about that while we're doing this. Okay, I'll let you do that Go in just ahead. a second. Uh, so we went to this conference, and this was supposed to be a conference located at a church, that was going to teach us how to teach and develop <laughs> young children, right. Sunday school age. And I remember I was one of them. We had a big group, probably 10 or 15 of us, that yeah. invested to go to this conference. We go to the conference, and we go through these, these um, seminar after seminar, and they're teaching us how to teach and how to do all these things. And while we're there, we're looking at how well they decorated because that was a big deal for that specific mm-hmm. church. Is they were all out on decorations. They were making it big and fun, which was really neat. But when we went through it, I was, they were showing us each room and how it progressed. And then we went to the youth room, and, and there really wasn't much of a youth room. And, and we found out that they had no youth at this church. And this is an older established church that literally had no youth. Yeah. And they were teaching people how to develop young people, but apparently yeah. they were missing something because it was – leaving them with no uh, gap yeah. in their progression. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was very concerning, yeah. but we have to realize that there's so many things. You can't put your entire influence into decorations. Mm-hmm. You can't put your entire influence into, well, they know all the Bible stories, therefore I raised them right. 
there's a lot to it, and there's a lot of people that are in their life that are influencing, and I think that's something that as parents, as leaders, we have to recognize that we want these younger people or newer people to be in the right environment yeah. where it's, it's, it helps them to grow. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. I want, I want to create an environment. It's, it's, uh, I, I can't think of the right you know, metaphor, but, well, I, I can tell you one metaphor. It's like a plant that um, if you just let it grow wild, it's not going to produce what it could mm-hmm. if you groomed it. It's pretty simple. Yes. Um, I think of some of the conferences you said we, we go to, and we, we do go to them, and we send our people to them and all that, but this next two years we're committed to sending young people to some of these major conferences to develop their insight into where we're going, what we expect of them, and giving them permission to use their creative and productive ability. Um, I didn't do it intentionally, and I didn't even think about it until just now. But what was it? Uh, Sunday night we played volleyball, and I asked all of our young people, you know, hey, y'all come early, and I'll buy the pizza. And so they came early, and um, we had a lot of pizza and had a lot of fun and everything. But all I did was talk to them about giving – I wanted them to have permission. I want them to see I'm going to give you permission to take the church and run with it, to use your ability and your talent to run with it. Now, obviously, there's got to be accountability. There's got, and I'll explain this to them. Got to be accountability. I'm not going to let you know some knucklehead get up just because you want to. You know, I won't give me the microphone. Doesn't mean you're going to get the microphone. But that that's. They're a novice right now, but how are they going to not become a novice? All those knuckleheads. Yeah, all those knuckleheads. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, knucklehead. But, uh, yeah, they've got to become – in order to not be a novice, something's got to do some, – yes. somebody's got to do something. And for so, them to buy in, it took you buying into them. Yeah. It's a, re- yeah. It's a reciprocal relationship where you, it goes both ways. Yes, it does. And you it can't sure just does. expect them to instantly buy into what you're selling. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, this has been a good discussion, and uh, we're coming up on the end of it. Uh, if you missed it – we talked about engaging the next generation. We want you to join us again. And next month, this coming month, we're going to be talking about the history of victory. And that's something I'm very excited about. And we're going to see Pastor Castleberry, Sister Castleberry, discuss the process of starting, building, uh, cultivating the church through people. Well, that was a wild ride. It's been ups Woo! and downs, uh, yeah. climaxes, and very low valleys. There's, there's been some... Yeah. things that happen and this is part of it and uh, I'm thankful for a pastor who's been consistent and have given themselves um, and, and, and many times they could have walked away could have, yeah. could have easily happened it was hard it yes. really was hard yes. and and it so was, it was very we difficult. look forward to that that's going to be on Tuesday mm-hmm. every Tuesday of this coming month of yeah. November Because are this we going to do that on Tuesday of election night we've talked about doing a pre-recorded video Yeah. and so yeah. we'll work on that but look, look forward to some videos it's going to be fun and uh, this month also is my love my I love my church month, so yeah. we're going to have some active month. I love my church merch and sunglasses and things giving away at the church. So we want you to be here. If if you've never been to Victory and and you've watched us online, this is a great opportunity to step in to the church, meet some of the smiling faces, the people that maybe you've conversed with in the comment yeah. section, and just get involved. This is yeah. a great time to live, great time to be alive yeah. and live for God. So, anyways, we love you all. Thank you for joining us. This has been a great discussion. God bless you. Have a great night. We'll see you next Tuesday.